Father God, thank you so much that first and foremost, you love us, you're for us, you sent Jesus. Lord, we're so, so blessed to, to live in Australia, to live in a country that's had a relatively great response to COVID and right now that we're free to congregate um, and we don't have to worry too much about uh, COVID. Thank you that our state's so safe right now and that we are able to congregate. And thank you that we live in a country free from persecution, that we can congregate without fear of government retribution. Lord, we pray for people all over the world who are struggling to congregate like we are right now. For people that miss their brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we pray for the health of everyone who's been affected by COVID, but not just directly, but also the mental health of people who miss their family and their friends. And we pray for all the economical uh, fallouts of COVID, people who've lost their businesses and their jobs. Lord, we're so glad that you promised to walk alongside us, and that even in the hard times, Lord, you don't promise that there won't be hard times, but you promise that you're with us in them. So we thank you for that and that you're with us. Lord, I pray this morning uh, for myself, for my sermon, that it's you talking, not me, because you've got a lot better things to say than I do. And I pray for everyone here that something said this morning is from you and sparks some level of understanding and deepening of relationship with you, Lord. Lord, we all love you and we praise you and we're so glad that we get to enjoy you forever. Amen. If you've been journeying with us for the last few weeks, uh, you'll know that we've been going on an adventure of sorts uh, in the lead up to Christmas. A nearness adventure, as Oral described it, where we unpack the closeness of God and that he's nearer than we think. Now, in October, Oral unpacked the idea of feeling uh, the closeness of God. He looked at the fact that our primary relationship is the relationship that we have with God and that all the other relationships that we have are in light of that one and how those relationships intersect and how by being close to God, we can, as Christians, can help others become close to God. Then last week, we rounded that idea out practically, and Louisa did uh, an amazing job, if you were here for that, sharing her journey with God and the work that um, she's been doing at the op shop recently, uh, and how she helps the community around her um, feel God's presence through her mission there. And as a quick announcement in the middle of the sermon, one of those good stories that Louisa messaged through, uh, there was a single mother with three... Uh, three triplets? Three five-year-old triplets who had been living in a tent and she'd just gotten the keys to some kind of housing but she had been escaping a bad situation so she didn't have any furniture and we were able to just set her up with the furniture that she needed, food that she needed and she's on our contact list now as someone who we can be providing food to as well and relief to as well. So it, I'm 
I'm just in awe of the work that's being done there and the mission that, that, that we're doing and the fact that as a church, um, through the op shop and through the relationship Louisa made with that person, we're able to, we're able to help. Um, that just really warms my heart. So thanks, Louisa. Sorry, that was a detour. <laughs> um, this week and this month, we're continuing with our nearness adventure and focusing on our relationship with God. Now, I'm going to let everyone in on a bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff for how some of the church stuff works. Often, Oral is the one who makes the final call on sermon series and preaching slots and who's preaching when and what topics line up with those preaching slots. And I let you know this because when I first got the scripture and theme outline for this week's sermon, I was a bit stumped with what to research and what to write. And I found it very convenient that it was on a week where I was preaching and not oral. Because the theme was a goodness you can taste. Now, I understand feeling God, that makes sense, and feeling closeness to God, but, 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 but what's tasting God? God isn't a flavour. We don't go through the Macca's drive through and like, oh, what flavour milkshake do you want? It's not chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, God. You, you, can't, you can't taste God. What does that mean, oral? So that was my first thought, like, you're not preaching it, what are you setting me up for? However, I spent a lot of time over the last two weeks unpacking some key verses in the Bible that examine this exact idea and that exact wording. And all scripture in the Bible is teachable and preachable, and he was right to challenge me with it. So I'm going to unpack some of the Bible this morning with everyone, and uh, hopefully we'll all learn something. So the first key verse um, is from Psalm 34. So the Psalms are a collection of songs uh, found in the Old Testament, and in Psalm 34, verse 8, uh, we read the following. O taste and see that the Lord is good. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, that's interesting language, because the Psalm says to taste and see that the Lord is good, which is deliberate. The author could have written anything there, but they wrote taste. They didn't write know that the Lord is good, or do Bible study and see that the Lord is good, or come along to church, or in ancient days it would have been come along to the synagogue and see that the Lord is good, but to taste and see the Lord is good. And they could have written any sense there as well. Uh, Listen and see that the Lord is good would make a lot more sense. You know, someone's teaching you, so you listen, or look and see that the Lord is good, you see the mighty works that he's doing, but taste and see that the Lord is good is really weird language, and it's so easy when we're just moving through the Bible to read it and skim over it, be like, oh, it's flowery Christianese, doesn't that sound nice? But it's helpful not to and to actually unpack it. Now, just in case that's one instance of flowery language, Uh, Psalms is a book of songs, after all. We see it again in 1 Peter, which is a much more instructional book of the Bible from the New Testament. And in it, Peter's giving instructions to Christians that are living in exile. And we read the following. So this is 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up 
into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So there it is again, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so no doubt Peter, he's speaking to an audience that he assumes has read the Old Testament, and he's referring to the same theme as in the psalm. So what does it mean? And what does it mean for us? And how do we go about tasting that the Lord is good? And first, I want to dismiss anything silly. Uh, There's no special anointing of the Holy Spirit that will come onto you and let you physically taste God on your taste buds. And I know that that's a bit silly to say, uh, but it can be worth refuting uh, to steal a bit of Tasha's story. In her very early days as a Christian, she went to a very out there church in Brisbane. Uh, I won't name names, but it taught that if you got close to God, as you deepened in your relationship with God, uh, you could physically and literally smell the Holy Spirit. And, and if you weren't doing that, then, and, and taste, then, then maybe you weren't a Christian? Um, which, and Tash was very new, so uh, she was very confused because she wasn't smelling or tasting the Holy Spirit. And this alienated her and made her question a few things about her relationship with God, among other things that were taught there. Um, because she never did. And where did that leave her? So, what does it mean to taste God? First, if we can see that the language is not literal, uh, then it essentially must be metaphorical. Uh, Taste is a sense that evokes more closeness than any other sense. To taste something, you have to take it into your body. You don't just see it, hear it, or touch it. And tasting lets you know something in a way that the other senses don't. For example, if something was poisonous, it would harm you if you tasted it. If something's poisonous and you look at it, it doesn't harm you. But taking it in, it would harm you. And if something's good for you, like, like your veggies, uh, tasting it is also good for you, begrudgingly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Eamon's like, no, it's not. <laughs> In Psalms, we read that we are able to taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, In the original Hebrew, the word used here, and I'm going to pronounce it terribly, uh, and used for taste is ta'am. And it doesn't only mean to taste, but it also is often used to perceive or to discern. And it wasn't just used to describe food, but to describe intimate understanding because taste was the most intimate of the senses. And we have to remember that in the original language um, of ancient Hebrew, there were only a few thousand words. So often words had to have multiple meanings, and depending on the context, you kind of figured it out. Um, And that can make translation difficult, because often the multiple meanings are important. Often a word in the Bible means two things at the same time. And the word here for see, which is... Once again, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Vlaha also had multiple meanings. It doesn't just mean to physically see or observe, but also to envision, consider, and discern, to apply rational thought to what you're seeing rather than just the the passive sense of seeing. 
So being told to taste and see in the original Hebrew also meant to perceive and discern and and therefore understand in an intimate, deep way. Um, Here the psalmist is saying that if you perceive God, if if you get to know him, if you get to intimately experience him, you will, you will see, you will discern, you will understand that God is good. It's an if and will. It's a promise. If you taste, you will see that the Lord is good, and therefore you are blessed if you take refuge in him, if you lean on him, and if you rely on him. So that's the first major point. We've got a, we've, we've got a promise. The psalmist is telling us that if we taste, if we really take God in, if we get to know him, if we do that, we will see that he is good. Knowing God's goodness is a certain outcome of truly knowing God. Not just reading about him, not just hearing about him, uh, but knowing him for ourselves will lead him to knowing his goodness. And therefore, we are truly blessed if we rest in him and if we trust in him. And as a quick aside, for Tasha's story, she spent a lot of time, I guess, at that other church where that told you if you could taste or if you could uh, smell the Holy Spirit, maybe going to Bible studies and attending church and making sure she was uh, doing the church thing, but uh, she didn't really get to know God there. Um, And it wasn't until she walked away and spent some time finding herself and then went to another church that she really got to know God. Kind of. (laughs) Um, But Peter expands on this idea uh, when he's giving instruction. Uh, And as we read, Peter teaches, as I read before, in 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Verse 1 here makes a lot of sense. Put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. That's sound spiritual advice that's pretty easy to understand. There's no double speak there. But then Peter gives us the alternative. It's not just about putting away the bad things, but there's something else. There's another way. And he says, and this is another one of those confusing Christianese verses, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. That's a bit confusing. Is is Peter telling us to drink more milk? And uh, I don't think so. This is another metaphor, and it's a bit of a confusing one at that. But, like newborn infants, because through Christ we are born again into a new life, as those newborns in Christ, we are to long for pure spiritual milk, and that's Jesus and our relationship with him. Now, those of you who are parents will understand this analogy a lot better than me. Uh, you're probably sitting there being like, Eddie, you have not had kids. You don't even begin to understand this analogy. But 
how much do babies want milk? When, yeah, I'm getting some nods from the back. <laughs> they, they cry, they scream. If they don't get it, they cry and they scream louder. They, they, they won't be quiet. They're not just going to get over wanting some milk. Uh, they won't stop and they won't be settled until they have good milk. Because they're hungry. Uh, they need it. And, and they can't do anything. Because uh, they're a baby. <laughs> they can't just go to the fridge. Uh, that's how much we should be craving Jesus. Like a newborn wants milk, we want Jesus to taste him. And why? So that we may grow up into salvation. In the same way a newborn baby grows up into adulthood, we are to grow into salvation. And this isn't in our strength. We don't get the milk ourselves. We're, we're a baby. Uh, we, we, we don't control the milk. All we can do is lie there and cry for it. We scream out for it and pray for it and have a godly desire for it. And, and Jesus gives us the milk. He's the one who feeds us. Peter goes on from this and says that this longing for pure milk, this growing into salvation, it happens on an if. That's the first word of verse 3, if. He adds a clause, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. What an if. We, we know from before, from the Psalms, that we are promised that if we taste the Lord, that if we get to know God, not just know about God, but know God in relationship, we will know he is good. If you have made a relationship with God and therefore know his goodness, then, like a newborn baby craves milk, you should long for more of Jesus so you may grow in your salvation. That's that's instructional, which I think we can all take as encouragement, not, not, uh, not a certainty. If, if, you're not, if you're not feeling that intense, like a baby longing, you're human. You're, you're, not, you're not not Christian. You're not doing it wrong. Uh, we're told or instructed to long for the pure spiritual milk that will grow us in salvation and that will sanctify us and make us more like Jesus. So in the same way we had all the instructions to put away malice and deceit and envy, we're still human. Those things still crop up from time to time, but instructionally, we try to turn away from that and towards God. And instructionally, we long for more of Jesus. That's amazing grace. Because if it was up to us, we'd fail. <laughs> if it was up to me, I'd fail. But I, I assumed for the rest of you. But if you taste the Lord, if you get to know him, you will know that he is good. That's a biblical promise. And if you know God and you know that he's good, then instructionally you should long for more of Jesus in the same way that a baby longs for milk. That's the command. And 
I'm the first to admit that it's really hard to muster up that kind of longing, that desperation for Jesus, because there's so many distractions, and I think because being a baby that cries out for someone else to look after us, it flies so much in the face of what this world tells us about you can do it yourself. Uh, you can pull up your own bootstraps and, and, and do it. And, I, and I'm not saying that there aren't worldly things that maybe it's good to do in your own strength, but when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we can't, we can't just be good enough. It's, it's, it's not something that we can just do. And I think because we've all got that maybe a little element of pride that says, oh, but I can do it. I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, it's hard to say, no, I'm just, I'm just a baby who needs milk. It's up to you. It's up to you, Jesus. I, I, I'm just going to want you and trust you. Uh, and I'm preaching to myself here because it's, uh, it's so easy to think, oh, I'm doing well, I'm studying and I'm doing a master's and I'm doing all this extra study, but it's Jesus. It's not about how much we do for God. It's not about how much we read the Bible or pray or evangelize. And don't get me wrong, those are great and worthy things to do and good outcomes of the relationship that we have with God, but they're not the relationship we have with God. That's not what saves us. That's not what grows us into salvation. That's just the fruit. If we taste God, if we know him, we know he is good. And if, as a direct clause of that, we know him, then I implore you to long for him. So we can taste God in that we know him and not just know about him, but have a relationship. And if we do, we're instructed to long for him like that baby longs for milk. So I have a challenge for us all this morning to examine or to consider where am I in my relationship with God? Maybe you're someone who's relatively new to faith or you're still exploring Christianity and you've not yet really tasted the goodness of God. Maybe, maybe you don't know him that well yet. And I encourage you to taste him. And by that I mean get to know him, let him in, build a relationship. We're promised that if we taste, we'll see that he's good. If you're anywhere on that journey, I, myself, Tash, Jaden, Emma, probably most of the people here would love to talk to you more and uh, talk about the next steps in growing in your relationship with God. Or maybe you have tasted. You know the Lord's good. You love him. You know he loves you. And you're working on that commandment to long for him, to long for Jesus like a baby longs for milk. Cry, scream, do not stop until you are fed. 
and that's hard, but it's worth it. Christianity isn't just checking the box of coming to church, tithing, making sure you read the Bible enough and pray enough. It's your personal relationship with Jesus. I implore you, lean into that longing for Jesus. Get to know him more. Long for that pure spiritual milk so that you may be sanctified and grow into your salvation. And do it in community. There's, there's so many of us here. When it's hard to pray, lean into the church here and someone will pray with you. When you don't understand a verse or a passage, someone here will unpack it with you. We're, we're, we're all growing into salvation together. No one's, no one's done. No one's stopped being a baby that needs milk. That's, that's the beauty of it all. Um, and and it, you can, I, I'm so happy to have a coffee with anyone during the week and, and to talk about a passage or just pray with someone. But it doesn't, it doesn't have to be me just because just because I'm the pastor, I still need that milk. I, you can pray with one another. You can Bible study with one another. I can learn things off you guys. Like it's, it, we're all here for each other and to long for that milk together and to grow together as a community. And I'm so excited for that, to do that alongside each other. And I'm so glad we're all back together in person to do that together. I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you lowered yourself to become a human, that you experienced a human life and that we can personally relate to you, and you can personally relate to us. God, help us taste you. Help us know you intimately and therefore see that you're good. We trust your promises, Lord. And Lord, we, we pray that you help us be like that baby can't do anything on their own, but you've got good milk. Help us cry out for it. Help us scream for it. Help us long for it and long for you, Lord, and that we trust you'll feed us and that we'll grow into that salvation, that you'll sanctify us, Lord. Lord, help us lean on one another as we grow together. We're so glad that we're back together as a community, Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We're so glad we get to enjoy you forever.